opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, today, of course, our show is about love, and it's about love and technology, which is really an interesting topic. And we have a wonderful guest coming to us from Los Angeles. Dr. Wendy M. O'Connell is a licensed marriage and family therapist and relationship coach. And she's also a media consultant, a social media influencer, and she has a successful private practice in Brentwood and Encino, California. She specializes in teaching secure attachment and technology, IRL in real life, and cyberspace to teens and couples. She's worked in various settings with over 20 years of experience in the community. She also provides global life coaching around the world via technology, Skype, and FaceTime. And she's also the author of this book, Stay Open, a Single Woman's Attachment Style is Her Secret to Love by Dr. Wendy O'Connell. So we are just thrilled to have you join us, Wendy. Oh, thank you, Mari. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, and I wanted to also give your website, by the way. It's doctor, that's D-O-C-T-O-R, Wendy com, And you can also find out about her at conflicthealing.com, where we've got her picture, her bio, JPEG of her book, and we link to her website, too. So you will not miss her if you go to our website as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, wow, you know, love and technology, that is just amazing, huh? All this stuff going on. What patterns and trends are you seeing with regard to your clients, with regard to technology and communication and relationships? Well, you know, it's uh, if you think about real life and the struggles and the patterns that people struggle with, if you're a couple, it can be intimacy or trust. If you're a mother or a daughter, same thing. Uh, families often uh, have mixed communication, mixed messages. And, uh, you know, there's the wonderful text war that a lot of my couples participate in. So uh, I think a lot of miscommunication that really, uh, when understanding how to connect, uh, you know, in, in um, an easier way, uh, you know, it can uh, really avoid a lot of high conflict. It can avoid a lot of high conflict, but then there's that deep underlying conflict or people will just, you know, say something in a text or in an email that's very flippant and then can be perceived by the other side as really nasty, right? <laughs> Absolutely, Mari. You know, it's... Um, 
very important that we all are mindful of um, I- I- secure attachment. And a lot of us did not get that. So whether it's trauma or loss, substance abuse, very important to remember the genetic component. And then part two is every experience from growing up uh, from our caregivers or our parents, our mother, our father, positive and negative experiences. Then you take all that and then you throw it into cyberspace. So we're doing a lot of projecting (laughs) onto, you know, uh, our cell phones when we text or our computers or just in real life. So it can be really messy. Yeah, really messy. And, you know, I'm really worried, you know, when when I grew up, uh, you know, we we didn't have cell phones, really, even until I was older. And a lot of the communication was on the regular phone or really in person. We didn't have this texting stuff. And I'm just wondering about true intimacy when you're not when you're just relying on texting and emailing. And, you know, communicating through social networking. I mean, what do you right. think about that? Well, a lot of people, um, many people don't believe that secure attachment can take place, um, whether it's in real life or online. But it is able, you know, it is possible to have uh, a secure, intimate, trusting relationship, um, you know, in cyberspace. It uh, goes back again to intimacy and trust. And a lot of people have what's called ambivalent or avoidant or anxious attachment. And so it is important. I often say to people, if you're not quite sure what your attachment style is, there's a quick quiz. Uh, you just Google attachment quiz. Hmm. And it'll kind of tell you a little bit about the style in which you communicate. And then you can, you know, um, put it towards um, the Internet um, communication as well. And I've had more people have loving, caring, either long-distance or short-distance relationships where the bulk of their communication is text messaging. That's a huge one. A little bit of emailing. But for the most part, texting is the big thing. And when they know their their, um, attachment style, they're able to take a look at themselves and really understand when they are expressing where that's coming from and so the more that they can heal in the um, you know the, the wounds the emotional you know traumatic things or maybe it's a biological thing the more that they have insight to how they work they're able to communicate that much easier especially in text yeah I noticed that you know in your bio you say that you use technology through Skype and FaceTime at least you're you know what at least you're looking eye to eye <laughs> you know yeah, I mean or, or from, camera to camera right 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 but you can look in the person's eyes right and you're there so that to me you can see the body language you can see their facial expressions you can see their smile you can you can hear their voice and you know I mean I've I've tried to mediate through mediation through um through some texting with clients or through email oh. and it never seems to really work and some people believe in it but I refuse to do it I say Mm -hmm. if you have something let's set up a time and let's either talk on the phone or let's Skype 
or let's do something where we all are talking together because it's it's I think so much is lost when you can't at least hear let alone see what the person is saying right Absolutely. Uh, There are services that you can text or email to provide therapy or life coaching. I I don't do that. I think FaceTime, at least phone sessions, uh, you know, when people can't be here in the office. Um, But what is lost is definitely what you're talking about, the social cues. And often I say to my clients, you know, it has to be about 15 years ago, I only taught social skills to you know, people who kind of struggled with autism or was on the spectrum, really basic social skills. But now I teach social skills to everyone because nobody knows how to give eye contact, to walk through a door and smile and say hello, to shake a hand, uh, to say hello or goodbye. I teach that probably 50% of the time when I'm doing Mm. therapy with somebody. That's amazing. Well, you often educate people on technology and communication. Now, you, you first identify their own stage of life and maybe who they're talking to. What, why is that so important, what stage of life that they're in? It's a great question. Well, it's important at what stage, you know, uh, they where they are at in life right now. So, you know, if we're talking to a teenager, that is the stage, according to Eric Erickson, stages, eight stages right. of development. And a teenager is in identity versus role confusion. So really, we're looking at moral compass and how is that going? Is it strong or are we more confused about who we are in this world? That's important because if you are online or in real life, I need to know how confident or, you know, um, uh, secure a, a teenager is. And if he's not feeling so secure, uh, he may, you know, uh, be very confused, and then he's going to bump into some very big problems, especially in cyberspace. Mm. So, you know, or we take a young adult, and that's the stage of intimacy versus isolation. So we really want to see if they can become intimate or do they isolate. And again, if we isolate, then, you know, this is a person who probably has a hard time really connecting, avoiding true real-life connections. And then that's when the problem of dating or, uh, you know, um, canceling appointments or really this new kind of term that they call breadcrumbing, where you kind of lead people on, but you never show up. Oh, dear. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot of different things, but stage of life is so, so very important. Yeah. And, you know, you sometimes really don't even know who you're really communicating with. They may be able to communicate in texting, but then when you meet them, or if you fall in love with them through texting, then when you really get together and have to live with them and sleep with them and Mm -hmm. talk with them and eat with them, it's an entirely different situation. Right, but it ha- yep, but it happens so often. It really does, and you know, so often it's someone's fantasy they're projecting into cyberspace. Remember, it's their genetics and their experiences. Every single experience leading up to that moment, right. including the text messages and the bantering back and forth. Uh, you know, and and um, you know, you have to take into consideration also if 
if you are the receiver or you are the one who is, you know, the, um, the uh, what do you call it, the, the person who continues to make the effort, you know, it's it, who's passive and who's active. I think that's what I'm saying. Right. Um, you know, everything it comes into play. And then it's the other person's fantasy, and then you just have two fantasies. And then in real life, you know, how often do people go, oh, no. It wasn't, it wasn't anything like I imagined. Well, that's why it is important to have real-life experiences. So I often tell people if they're dating that, you know, you want to text just a little bit because everything is now a swipe on dating sites. Yeah. Uh, swipe left, swipe right. Yeah, right, uh, right. Everything is just, you know, a click of two seconds. And, you know, we want to get to that date because you want to you wanna see, you know, if there's any communication, if there's a nice rhythm going, chemistry, and then you can take it, you know, as much texting and emailing as you want, but at least you have a little bit more evidence to support that you want to see that person again. Right. And there's some some scary stuff, too. I, I don't know if you remember the case in which this young woman, she was only 17, and I guess there was some uh, issue with her and another girl. So the, the other girl's mother pretended to be a guy and, oh, yeah. and then broke up with her without ever meeting, right? It was this, you know, online... Uh, relationship and broke up with her and then she committed suicide so you know yeah. I mean these are the kinds of mm-hmm. scary stuff that can happen because people can pretend to be who they're really not and then decide to just play with your heart and your soul and and it's devastating for a teenager right so when we think of red flag issues I think what you're talking about can be mental health issues it can be substance abuse you know, it's it's uh, that that show Catfish. Uh, okay. So often, you know, somebody will portray how they are online, and then you meet them, and it can be a different gender. It can be, you know, a woman who is uh, twice as old or twice as young. So it's really scary out there. And I know a lot of teenagers bump into cyberspace, and, you know, if they weren't thinking of self-injury before, then it just puts the idea into their head, and you take... Again, we look at maybe a teenage stage of a person who is, you know, not has a secure identity. And then, you know, it's a how-to on how to do self-injury or how to smoke a cigarette or, you know, um, there's, there's very well-known sites like Inspiration that is pro-Anna, like pro-anorexia. Hmm. They're, they're, you know, the, the, the kids, whether I see a five-year-old client or I see a 55-year-old client, they, they, you know what's coming up now? I love to educate people on the themes and patterns of currently. And now a lot of people, I just wrote um, a blog about it, the dark web. And hmm. a lot of teenagers are going into the dark web and really going into another level of illegal, dangerous, scary situations. I don't even want to get into because I don't, you know, the parents don't need to worry even more, but it is something to be aware of. Well, I guess they do need to know and, and to be able to protect their kids, right? I mean, yes. they, they and, and, you know, the kids are so much more tech savvy than their parents that they can go into these places and maybe the parents aren't even anywhere aware because parents are giving their kids cell phones and smartphones 
smartphones and everything so that they can communicate with them. But then the kids obviously have this ability to do all these things that the parents have no idea about, right? Absolutely. And, you know, one big thing is there's hacker conventions. Right. And, you know, there's ju- uh, junior hacker conventions. And these mm-hmm. kids are like eight years old. And they're training FBI and CIA agents for Homeland Security. So, you know, they, they all know the back door and front door and underneath and, you know, how to, how to, how to you know, uh, get into video games. We, a lot of terrorists are able to manipulate teens or kids by saying, call this number, you'll get $100, and, you know, it ends up to be terrorists. It's very scary, and, you know, um, I, I think education is the key, and parents have to assume that their kids are going to bump into red flag issues. And to not be harsh or punitive, but to learn, to be curious, to, to you know, say, educate me about this. And it'll build trust between, you know, the ch- child and the parent. Yeah, so, so what are some of these coping strategies for these red flag issues? Well, number one, if you're talking about children or teens, uh, young adults, I mean, you would be so surprised how many parents... Give a cell phone to a child, let's say the average age right now is about 8 years old to 10 years old, their first cell phone. So they give a cell phone with no rules, no boundaries, and no expectations. Mm. So what I ask parents to do in real life, I'm also asking them to do in, you know, cyberspace. So what are the rules, what are the expectations, and, um, you know, what are going to be the consequences? The good thing is that kids or teens are really motivated by technology. So you want to see their room, you know, squeaky clean, take away their cell phone for two hours and say, I'll give it back to you after you clean. You will never see a cleaner room in your life. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. So observing, you want to observe your child. How do they use technology? When do they use technology? Uh, You can identify red flag issues like their serious secrets. So often I, you know, meet teens that could be 12 years old. A lot of 12, um, a lot of stuff happens at 12. Kids are pre-adolescent. They're right about to become teenagers. A lot of girls meet boys and older boys in cyberspace. So then what happens is they become very secretive. Well, you know, it's, it, I think iPhone has something where you can see your kids' text messages and things like that. But, you know, if a, if a behavior looks like it's a sneaky or they just really won't get away from their phone, that could be a red flag issue. If a parent says, I want to see a phone, and I call that a technology audit, that, you know, the deal is that if I give you a phone, you know, that at any time I'm able to do a technology audit because it's safety and I'm, you know, your parent. And, you know, if, if you don't have that open communication, then we're going to have a problem. Right. And, you know, if a teenager says, yeah, no problem, but if a teen says, I'm not showing you anything, no way, then that's a red flag. It could be, um, you know, but yes, privacy is important, but there's so many perpetrators now in cyberspace. It just opens the door to scary things. Also, there's, um, you know, uh, websites out there that, uh, that girls are taking off their tops and showing, you know, strangers right. their chest. Sexting, and yeah. Yeah, sexting is a big thing. But here's the thing. The parents are downstairs while the girls are doing it upstairs or right. it's at a birthday party. Uh. So what used to be old-fashioned play, like Ding Dong Ditch or, 
red light, you know, green light yeah. or duck, duck, goose does not look like that anymore. You know, play right. for these children and this generation looks very, very different. Mm. So, so what do you do? I mean, do you, do you say you have to give me your password and you set up something where you can get into that phone and see what's going on? Well, okay, so there's the perfect world, which that would be great. And, yes, uh, all our experts say give the passwords. And, you know, in a perfect world, the kids give passwords. But because I'm an expert with teens and young adults, uh, you know, for over 18 years, I get the backstory, And then I'm so grateful because I can translate it to adults. And what I have learned is that for the average teen, they have three more accounts at least that parents don't know about. Mm. So you can say you're going to check all you want. You can get all the passwords because they change them five times. They also have burner phones. So a lot of kids can just buy a phone at Rite Aid and, you know, put a card on there. And I don't want to give people ideas, but it's just so easy. And you have to go back to the idea of trust. And, you know, I can also say that about couples, how often I'm in couples therapy, where someone will say, let me look at your phone, or I found something on your phone. Uh, last night, I got an email at 1.30 in the morning that a woman, you know, found something uh, on somebody, her husband's phone, and and it turned out to be he was on the phone with, uh, you know, like a, an IT person because he couldn't get onto his Apple Music or something. So <laughs> it's not always doom and gloom and red flag issues. That's where the trust comes in, and you have to really work on having open communication. So in short, it basically comes down to moral compass. You want to make sure values, morals, ethics, character are really solid with the child. And so as they grow up, they really understand the concept of honesty and trust. And then your role modeling, that they can do that with other people in real life or in cyberspace. Right, right. I, I'm intrigued about some of this couple stuff. I know you had talked, you had sent me something about some tips that you have for couple relationship to be stronger when it's, you know, dealing with cyberspace, cyberspace and you know, you were talking about some of those tips, and I, and I really like them, like sync your online calendar. I I do that just with my husband, just so he knows when <laughs> when we have a play coming up or we're supposed to go to dinner with people, because he'll he'll say you didn't tell me. So now I just send him, you know, an invite, <laughs> yeah, and and make sure that our calendars for not for his work and my work, but sometimes even for work or if he has a doctor's appointment, so he doesn't forget, he'll sync it with me so that I know where he is, and he knows where yeah. I am. And it just, we can accommodate each better, each other better, and it kind of deflects conflict because he can't say, you didn't tell me we have dinner with this couple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. But what a beautiful way to stay connected, you know? And if two people have the intention to stay honest, stay trustworthy or trusting, and, and stay connected, that is a wonderful example of how to build trust and keep trust in the marriage or the relationship. Uh, you know, another thing is sharing each other's Instagram or Facebook or Twitter so often throughout the years, and I'm also uh, an expert with couples, and I love working with couples, uh, you know, as well as teens, because I find the emotional reactivity is the same. Right. And so I want to be able to help them kind of self-regulate. But couples will um, not allow each other on their own Facebook or they don't want to share any social media that they have going. 
you know, does that mean that they're cheating or something shady is happening? Not necessarily. Again, you kind of want to go back to what happened, you know, with trust and intimacy in their life. Because maybe someone had a mother who always looked at her diary. So having privacy just means that you trust her. You know, um, there could be so many meanings for why uh, you don't want someone on their social media. It doesn't always mean there's something shady and whatever. But again, if someone says, can I see your Facebook? I'm just kind of curious the things that you post. If someone is really, really adamant, you know, that's a red flag. If you can't kind of open up and go, honey, sure, you know, I don't think you're interested in, you know, astronomy, but here, you know, you right. can read it. Right. Uh, that's, that's okay. Cause that's, the ultimate goal is that you want to, and my motto is always to stay open. And you want to stay open with your partner. You want to, you know, keep that conversation. It's also, technology is amazing to find new articles, you know, and, and share them with each other. Or funny YouTube videos. That's another wonderful thing. Um, when couples stay in negative patterns, I often will say go to YouTube and find funny clips and try to crack each other up. I also uh, often say to couples, go on to Groupon or Social Living, or is it Living Social? Yeah. You know, those coupons um, online and, and find fun activities and, sh- you know, take turns surprising each other with something fun. So there are ways to be in cyberspace and also be connected you know, right. with secure attachment. Yeah. And you also talk about doing a Google search of each other's names, which which I do mm-hmm. that. I do that for my kids. You know, they're older, but I... I, I have them on. I have an alert for their names, for my name, for my husband's uh, name, great. just so that I can see. Because there's sometimes there might be something up there that they don't even know about, or I don't know about. And, Absolutely. Um, and I think it is a way of staying safe and kind of checking up on your own self and see what's out there about you or what, you know, where your pictures are that you didn't even know were there, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm, yep. I'm always surprised when I see something up there about me and, and some picture that I, <laughs> I didn't know about. Yeah. Yep. And with young adults, I'll often get uh, people who have been stalked and threatened or bullied and so they throw up you know very private pictures and there's harassment and uh very scary it's ruined people's lives so yes it is important to constantly google and there are experts that can clean that up and uh you know if it gets to be you know in, in your uh neck of the woods where it's a legal issue it's all important to be assertive and take that stance even in cyberspace Right, right. And you talk about sharing passwords, not just with your kids, but with your spouse as well, so that your spouse can get in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I talk about it, but, uh, you know, the reality is it doesn't happen much. I I encourage people. um, But, again, it kind of goes back to their history. And what does that mean? So in therapy, it's not about fixing or you know, me, my agenda or giving answers, what I think is best, it's my clients, you know, and you have to take their consideration of their, their life, you know, experiences and, and what that really means. Um, it doesn't, like I said, always mean a red flag issue and how someone takes that in such a deep wounded way is also something to, to process, you know, maybe there's something in their childhood, they always got locked out or abandoned or rejected. So, Again, there's so much that goes into communication. And so the, the more you have, you know, an open um, willingness, really, and to be transparent, uh, you know, it can be 
a very healthy path, but I don't see it a lot. I know. So we're just about um, out of time, but if you would like to give a couple of tips for people to, to really be positive in their relationships, I think this would be good for couples or anyone if you want to just leave us with just a couple things to remember in, t- in, uh, in cyberspace. Well, I think that couples really need to express how they feel about social media or, you know, have a basic conversation. What do you think of Internet? What do you think of social media? And, you know, be general at first and then kind of titrate it down and be more specific. What do you like about the things I post? What don't you like about the things I post? Do you ever have feelings like it's, you know, a little racy or it's a little boring? You want to just kind of open up the communication. It's kind of like being on a date, but now you're taking it to the next level in cyberspace. And you would be surprised. People are going to give really nice feedback, you know. Uh, Just the other day I uh, posted, okay, so um, my husband and I are on a certain social media and I, he posts things all the time and I post things all the time. Not all the time do I, you know, like them, but it doesn't mean I don't. It just means I don't get around to getting that little right. hand, you yeah. know, with the thumb. Yeah. Or the but, heart. Uh, but yeah. I, yeah, but it's, yeah, heart, thumb, uh, you know, but, but it's fun. And, uh, and, you know, he never told me how he feels about when I like his stuff. And men often, you know, they're not so chatty like women are. But, uh, but anyway, and so the other day, he liked, I had just uploaded one of my articles, and he liked it, like, within five minutes. And, you know, Aww. it's silly, but it made my heart, it just felt so nice, like, made oh, my gosh, she read it. <laughs> it did. And you know what? Part two of it is I went home, and I told him, I verbalized, I expressed it. Honey, do you know that when you liked my article, I just felt so loved. I, I, I said, it's like to the universe, that's my wife. And, and so, you know what? He doesn't stop doing that. Now he does it all oh, the time, good. so it's fun. Yeah, well, we so, are just yeah. out of time. That's a perfect way to end in something really uh, loving and positive, and and that's great. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, oh, my God, Wendy it was O'Connor. so wonderful. Oh, yeah, so we will stay in touch, and you take care, all right? Thank great. you. Great, so and Martha, you can find me at www.drwendyoconnor.com, or they can try me um, on my Twitter at Ask Dr. Wendy. And and we link to your website from Conflict Healing as well. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. 